0: You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God, and we pray that this message helps you do just that.
1: How's everybody doing? Hey, we are really glad that you're here, and it's great to see that all of you survived this uh, the storm. People talking about the storm. You get ready for the storm? Do you mean that little bit of rain we got? The storm, we will rebuild. And anyway, so, but glad that you're here. And uh, so, I have three kids, and I will tell you this, that having your third child is very different than having your first. When you have your first, and if you're a parent, you know this to be the case, and if you're not a parent, you're going to experience this at some point in your life. Uh, When you bring your first into the world, you are freaking out about everything, Everything has to be sterilized. Nothing can touch the floor. Everyone who holds your baby has to go through a federal background check. And, and then, you, but you start kind of loosening things up as you have more kids. And I noticed this with my three kids when it comes to the same thing that happened when all three of them at around a similar age. So they all had the same thing happen, which was cereal falling on the floor. And I, you know, when Mia, who's my oldest, When she was little and she was in the high chair and she spilled a bowl of cereal, I mean, I jumped up and I'm like, don't worry, Mama. I'm going to clean this up and I'm going to get you a brand new bowl and take care. I took care of everything. And then um, when my son Xander was born, two and a half years later, um, he spilled a bowl of cereal and I got up and then I I got him out too. And I'm like, all right, buddy, come on. We're going to clean this up together. We're going to get a new bowl together. And then when Livy was born, a couple years after that, and she spilled a bowl of cereal on the floor. Uh, I just let her out of the high chair. I'm like, Livy, your cereal's on the floor. Eat it before it dries." And uh, and it's just weird how it's weird how that, that happens. But and it, and it's true. Uh, it, I saw. I've noticed even when taking pictures of my kids. I think I have close to one million pictures of Mia, um, and her entire life has was documented, uh, in her doing anything imaginable from birth, you know, until. Her, you know, siblings were born, and uh, but but everything is documented. Xander probably has about half as many pictures, and so we didn't take a picture of everything, but we took a picture of the important stuff. And and Livy, that poor girl, came into my office uh, when we first moved into the building. Uh, she comes into my office and she's looking around, and I have like a bunch of stuff and memorabilia and all this, and, and a million books in my office, but I have a bunch of pictures of my family. And she's looking at the pictures, and she goes, Dad, there isn't one picture of me here. And I'm like, how's oh, that possible? Hey, look away. And I just kind of threw out a picture of one of the other kids and got one of her in there. And uh, But you know, it, it happens. It, it, and it happens with just about anything that we start out very intense, and then we kind of start to coast sometimes and, and, and forgetting that good things don't happen without being Intentional. And if you're married, you know that to be the case. We start out very intentional and passionate. And, you know, we go the extra mile without being asked. When my wife and I were dating, uh, she went to, after we had been dating for probably about a year and a half, she moved to Tallahassee to go to college, and I was going to college here. And she called me and told me uh, that she had pneumonia. And so I just instinctively, I got in my car, I drove 450 miles Picked her, picked her up, and then drove right back home. And I mean, that's love. And, and, and the problem is, fast forward a couple of years, we had been married for about a year, and we were going to bed, and uh, we were both laying in bed, I'm falling asleep, and she says, hey, do you, could you, would you mind getting me a glass of water? You would have thought she asked me for a kidney. So I was like, oh, and, uh, and, and, you know, and so, and, and, and I, and I remember getting up, you know, and I do it with such a bad attitude and, uh, and I get her the water and I, I remember laying back down and I'm thinking, that's messed up. Like, I remember driving 900 miles in one day, uh, f- for her and, and I, I, and I'm getting bent out, I'm bent out of shape about like walking nine feet. And it was literally nine feet. That's how small our first apartment was. Uh, I mean, you could be in the shower and like stirring sauce on, in the kitchen. It was a small apartment. And so, and, but something happened, right? And this is the thing that happens with all of us is that passion somehow turns into function. And it can happen in any relationship, including our relationship with God. And the question is how do we keep this from happening? How do I know if my commitments are deepening or we're becoming more selfish? Because by the way, that is very difficult to detect personally, if we're becoming more selfish without it being uh, revealed to us. And and so the cool thing, and this is the thing, this is why I love this passage so much, is that Jesus is going to show us the test that we can take to see where it is that we're headed, where is it, are we becoming more committed to the things that matter most or are we taking a step back and becoming more selfish? So we've been in this series that we've been calling The Story as we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew and we call it The Story because we're convinced that if you learn his, it'll change yours. And we're looking at, and we've been for the last several weeks, we've been in uh, looking at Jesus's most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. We've uh, only got a couple more weeks left in it. But Jesus has been laying out for his followers what is the best possible way to live. He begins a sermon talking about how to be happy. He talks about how these happy people should be, how they should be influencing the world like salt and light. And then he talks about living at a higher standard than what the law requires, he talks about spiritual disciplines and the motivations behind them. And he talks about also doing the right things for the right reasons. And he ta- instead of living a fake life and living for the approval of other people, which makes us miserable. And now Jesus is going to show us how we can know which direction our lives are moving in. Are we becoming more selfless or becoming more selfish? And he's going to show us that if we will be intentional and we will allow ourselves to move uh, not from passion to function, but stay at this place where we are passionate and intentional. Listen, we will live the best life possible. And it will focus your life like few other things can. It'll allow you to create the kind of future and the kind of life that you want, a life that's worth living. And so Jesus is going to take this one area of life, and focus on it. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus could have talked about this in any area of life because the principles are true in any area of life. He could have talked about relationships, career, family, health, spiritual maturity. Instead, he talks about something that's very sensitive, that we're kind of protective of, focused on. And, uh, and, and I think the reason he does that is so we'll never forget what he's saying to us. Because listen, your future is influenced by what it is that you do. And the decisions that we make uh, with what it is that we're going to talk about. Your family is influenced by what you do and the decisions that you make with this. Our church is influenced by the uh, what you do and the decisions that you make with this. Uh, your marriage is. Everything is. And so let's go ahead and get started in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in uh, verse 19. And Jesus says this. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth also. And that's what I want to spend some time focusing on is this idea of where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you're a note taker, here's the first thing that I want you to note. Is that my heart, your heart, our heart moves in the direction of where we invest. That's the reality. So I, I want to explain this to you by telling you a story uh, about a guy named uh, Larry Gartrell. Larry Gartrell was my t- uh, 12th grade economics teacher and he's the only person I know that is uh, banned from Disney World. And that's because he got—he uh, was a chaperone, uh, a teacher chaperone for grad night, uh, and he f- smoked weed with some of the students and fell asleep on the lawn of the haunted mansion. And that is a true story. And uh, apparently Disney frowns on that kind of behavior, just FYI. And uh, so I knew about him going into my senior year Because uh, my best friend from high school's name was Al Brown. Al Brown's older brother is Michael Brown. And Michael had Mr. Gartrell for economics uh, last period uh, when he was a senior. Well, Mr. Gartrell had this uh, to the side of his, uh, like, you know, imagine the, the chalkboard, the desk, and then there was this door. And he had like a little office behind there. Well, one day, Mr. Gartrell goes back into the office and because it's the last period, the bell rings, school day is over, and everyone leaves except Michael Brown. And, and, I, uh, and the story I'm going to tell you, I, I ran the story, Michael told me the story, and I talked to Mr. Gartrell about it on the first day of school, and he told me it was true. Anyway, so everyone leaves in the class except Michael Brown. And Mr. Gartrell comes out and sees that he's sitting there waiting uh, for... Mr. Gartrell, to dismiss the class. And so Mr. Gartrell says, Michael, because you waited for me and didn't leave before I dismissed the class, I'm awarding you one million points. And so now, and, and now this, these points actually meant something because he says, you don't have to do any assignments in this class. You don't even have to show up if you don't want to because you are guaranteed to have an A because you have one million points. And um, so, and I remember talking to him and I said, hey, do you remember a student named Michael Brown? He's like, oh, that's the only student I ever award, awarded 1 million points to. And I'm like, it is true. I'm telling you, I, I was like Han Solo in uh, The Force Awakens. It's true, all of it. You know what I mean? It's, I, I'm, it, was, it was a big thing. So anyway, so in economics, uh, Mr. Gortrell is trying to teach us about the stock market. And he said the best way for us to learn about the stock market was to start investing. So he gives all of us 200 imaginary dollars. But here's the catch. Every dollar that we earn above the 200 that we're given, then that's a point towards our final grade. Every dollar that we lose from the original 200 is a point that's taken away from our final grade. And I saw this as a great opportunity because I was failing his class. And I needed, I really needed to pass economics and not have to take it in summer school because I was already planning on taking a full load of classes in summer school for the other classes I was failing. So... Anyway, so I, I'm talking, I have a friend in the class. His name is Rob. And so we decide that we're going to work together on this project. And so I decide uh, I'm going to invest my $200 in some stock. I forgot what it was. And, um, but I'm telling you, something happened to me that I never expected. And I didn't even understand until I became a Christian and read this verse. Is the very thing that Jesus said, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I started reading the newspaper every day. I never thought me I was not a good student. I mean I became a good student in college, but you know, K-through K 12 was a rough, you know, rough season for me. And so, but what happened is I mean I was walking around. I remember going to the corner newsstand in Coral Springs and buying the Wall Street Journal every day, looking to see how the stock was doing because once again, I was so obsessed where this was going because it just it mattered so much to me. And and um I usually stop the story there and and because I've made the point, but then people get upset, and they're like, well, you didn't tell us how the story ended, and so I'll tell you how the story ended, and um, I, uh, I was not doing well. The stock that I, had, that I had invested in was kind of plummeting, and I was very nervous, and then I was talking with my friend Rob in the class, and, um, and I said to him, and I said, we've never told Mr. Gartrell what stock we were investing in. We just had to do a little presentation at the end, And I said, so why don't we take the the newspaper from the first day and then the newspaper from the last day and let's just pick which stock did the best and we'll just say that's the one that we invested in. And uh, anyway, I passed economics. And uh, I made thousands of imaginary dollars uh, and because of that. And my wife knows this story, and she's, you know, and my kids, they're so disappointed in me. And they're like, we can't even believe you. And I'm like, I wasn't even a Christian when this happened. And my wife, I told my wife that story, and she's like, you know, if you weren't a Christian, you'd be in jail. And I said, but you know, I'd be running the jail. So that counts for something. And so anyway, now, but here's the point. The point is that something happened. In my life, when I invested my treasure somewhere, my heart followed. I became obsessed with how it is that it was doing. And I'm telling you, this is true with everything in life. And Jesus talks about possessions and where we put resources and possessions because that's where our heart will go. And listen, now, you know this to be true if you've been living on planet Earth for a while. And that is that we always invest in the things that matter to us. And when we start investing in things that matter to us, they start mattering even more. And what Jesus is encouraging us to do when he says, don't just lay up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy. Why? Because eventually it's all gone. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. And then, why? Because that's where your treasure is going to be. That's where your heart is going to be. And he's saying, if you will focus on eternity our hearts will naturally move in that direction. Why is that important? Because when you lay up treasure in heaven, you will begin to care about the things of heaven more. And that's not just true when it comes to money or possessions. It just starts there. You start giving, and you know what happens? Is that something like, something will move in every other area of your life. All of your life will start moving in the direction of eternal things. And I want you to think about for a minute what it would look like. What would your marriage look like if, you're, if in your marriage you started focusing on eternal things more? I mean, would your marriage be better or worse? Right, I think we all recognize that it would be better. Your relationship with your kids. If I started moving with my relationship with my kids towards eternal things, right, it, things would get better. Would I have more joy in my life or less? Why, why is that? Why would I have more joy? Because when you decide that eternal things are important, it changes something in you. You start deciding that God's way is better than yours, and that changes everything. That's why Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Because the shortest line to your heart is your money and your stuff. And I'm telling you, and I know we don't like that. And I don't like it because uh, we, we think that we're in 2022 and we're very sophisticated people and, we're, we're, and, and the reality is we're not. Uh, Jesus knows that if we, the, the thing that you want, if you want something to matter to you, start investing in it. And, and that's where Jesus is saying, you want to know what matters to us the most? Follow the money. And, 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 and I'll tell you, um, and if you want something to matter more, then start putting resources there and your heart cannot help but follow. He goes on and he's going he's to explain this a little bit more in verse 22. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. Now, if you pause there and uh, give me your attention, this is a little bit of a complicated passage because it's built around a Jewish idiom. And uh, every culture, um, and by the way, if you're a note taker, I forgot to mention that. And that is that my vision can enlarge my world. Um, That's the next thing that Jesus wants to tell us. My vision can enlarge my world. Every culture has expressions that don't make sense to other cultures when they're translated. Whenever I'm trying to translate um, Cuban expressions to my wife, when I'm around my family, yeah, I, I, she looks at me like I'm insane. And so uh, I remember I was at my dad's. My dad was, was, when my dad was still alive, and we, he had this big party at his house. And, and uh, somebody was, was talking, and they said something was un paquete, if you know what that means. And, so, and, and, and my wife was like, what, what, why, is there, what, why is everybody laughing? My wife, he said something kind of funny. What, what, what did he say? I said, well, he, the guy told a story, and, and uh, my dad said that it was a package. And um, she said, like, what does that mean? And I'm like, you know, when someone's lying to you, you don't believe them. It's un and so, and, uh, and so later that day, somebody's telling my dad a story about all these good things that happened. And my dad says, eres un reventado. And, um, and so, and my wife is like, oh, okay, what is it? What did he say? Oh, he's the guy told him a story but all these good things that are happening. And he said he was exploding. <laughs> and... Uh, and he's like, well, this is this like a good explosion? Oh, it's a fantastic explosion. And, uh, and she's like, well, why is the explosion good? I'm like, well, I have no idea why the explosion is good, but the explosion is good. And so, but that just means you're having good luck. But it really means you're exploding and it doesn't make any sense, right? And so uh, when we read this, we're like, okay, so the lamp of the eye is the body. If your eye is good, and then we're reading it, we're like, I don't get it. Uh, and, and so, and it's because we, we kind of, we miss... Um, the, 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 the Jewish understanding of it. Um, when Jesus is saying that when someone has a good eye, a good eye in Hebrew always refers to generosity. It always refers to generosity. And I'm going to show you that in from a couple passages in the book of Proverbs. But, um, and so the whole idea is, is that if you have a good eye, then... It's bringing light to your whole body. If you have a bad eye, and that is that you are not generous, but you're miserly, it keeps a body in darkness. And so the word that's translated generous um, is this Hebrew word, tav, which is the same word that's used in Genesis 1 when God creates everything and calls it good. And so Jesus is talking about the generosity brings light to your entire body because it allows the rest of your body to move freely because God is creating more opportunities. So in, and you'll see this in in Proverbs 22 in your notes, it says, a man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. Now to give you the inverse in Proverbs 22, it says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed for he gives us his bread to the poor. And the point is that God has a way of blessing people who are generous and has a way of bringing better opportunities, divine connections and a larger future. A couple of weeks ago, I read you this passage, and it's one of my favorites in the book of Proverbs. And it says it this way It says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. And this is just a reality of spiritual life. And and you don't have to take my word for it. You ask anyone who's a Christian who's generous, and they will tell you that the moment that they began to just open their hand to what God wanted to do in their financial world, God entered their financial world, and their world got a lot better and a lot larger. And the opposite is also true. When we keep God out of our financial world, our world gets smaller. Uh, When my wife, I told you that when my wife was in college, uh, she was in in college up in Tallahassee, and um, I went to visit her. And before leaving town, uh, I was, now this is, I was in college, and so I was working as a delivery guy part-time, and so, and this is way back. I mean, we're talking like 1994, 95, somewhere around that, around that time. Um, and so I got, I was leaving town uh, to go see my wife and um, I got my paycheck and my tithe. It was 530 bucks. My tithe was $53 and I was in college, not making much money. And I really needed the 53 bucks for the, t- for the, the trip. And I, I prayed this prayer and uh, which I don't recommend, as you'll see in just a minute. But I'm like, Lord, let's not worry about the $53, because what's $53 to you? For me, that's gas. Today, it's about a half a gallon of gas. But um, anyway, but then it was, it was, it was, it was a lot more. And, uh, and, and, and my car had just come out of the shop, and so I drive up to Tallahassee, and on the first day, my battery died. So then I go to the auto store, and you know how it is when you're, you're you get you go to the auto store, and then uh, they're like, or you know, are you going to be uh, turning in a battery? And it's like, if I had, was able to drive here, um, and so thankfully I, I, my car had died like a block from the um, the, bat, the auto place, so I walked over, and then I'm like, all right, oh, did you have the what they call the core? Do you have the core? And I'm like, all right, well, fine. So then I go back. I get the battery. walk it over. And then I give them the... And by the way, these batteries, if you don't know, this I mean, they weigh like a 1,000 pounds. And I don't know what they're putting in there. But um, so anyway, I bring the battery. And then they get the new one. And they're like, oh, just go over there, pick whichever one. And I'm like, oh, not a lot of customer service here. So i got to go get my own battery. And then, and by the way, this one is a full battery. It doesn't weigh any more. So... I figured you'd be getting something anyway, so I bring it over, and they're like, "All right." So then we got this, and we'll deduct uh, however much from the um, from the core, and then you got this, and they said, "Oh," that, and the guy goes, "Oh, that's funny. It's fifty-three dollars on the nose," and I was like, "Oh, God!" I thought it was we under had an understanding. And God's all like, no, you thought you had an understanding. I, that's not how, it, I didn't agree to those terms. And, uh, and, 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 and I'm telling you, this is just what happens, right? Now, let me tell you what happened yesterday. Um, my wife, the battery in my wife's car died. And, uh, and I remember I was, dri- I drive to the auto place, and he's like, hey, do you have the core? And, uh, and I'm like, dude, my, no, I don't have the core. I, gotta- I need the battery. Anyway, so I go and get the, um, I get the battery, and then um, I got to change the battery, and and, and they and, um, Chevy has decided that they are going to make getting a battery out. I mean, you got to basically put an explosive in there to create some space. It's like impossible for human hands to actually grab this battery without taking apart half the engine. Anyway, I finally get the battery out, and then um, put the new one in and all that, and by the way, um, I, there, I didn't realize how bad inflation had hit everything. The battery was 200 bucks. And uh, and, and, and I was just like, wow, everything has gone up in, 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 in price. So anyway, and there's so much that could be said there and I'm just gonna leave it alone because I don't want to get in trouble, but whew, let's, just, let's just put a little asterisk. It's just like so much could be said and we're just gonna leave it because I have self-control, some self-control. And so anyway, and so I get that, and, and and I'm thinking to myself. I was telling my wife this as we're driving back, and I say, you know, I'm, I'm t- you know, I'm telling the battery story. Uh, she's like the $53 battery. I'm gonna tell the $53 battery story, and um, and I said, but here's the weird thing. And I said, and then uh, I I said because I got to be honest that the battery happened, that your battery died, um, you know, today. And so I, I want to tell that, and uh, and she's like, well, what do you think? What's God showing you in this? And I said, you know, here's the thing. I said, remember a couple of weeks ago, we got that unexpected check in the mail? And uh, we got one of these, like, you know in Monopoly, when you're playing and there's like that card that says like bank error in your favor? Like, we got one of those. And it was, it was amazing. It was like, man, if I could have that happen like every couple of weeks, wow. Thing- it was really a game changer. But anyway, we got one of those like bank error in your favor and we got this check in the mail and it was amazing. And, uh, and I was telling her and I said, you know, What's so interesting to me all these years later is that, you know, when we start out, you start out trusting, and then God meets you and, and, and blesses your obedience. And I said, and then you walk in obedience for a long time. And I said, and I just, I realized that God had blessed us before we even knew there was a need. And so God blesses us a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, you didn't expect that. Here's that check in the mail. And, uh, and by the way, I know that there's something coming that you don't even know about. So I'm going to bless you on the front end. And, and, I'm, and I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because there is something wonderful that happens when you start trusting God. Is that, you know, we all, everybody wants God to bless them financially. But it doesn't happen until we invite God into our financial world and start honoring him. Um, we start honoring him with the tithe. And and, and I love what Second Corinthians says. It says it this way. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And here's the thing that we have to remember. Um, and we talk about, people always say, oh, you know, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Um, Here's what the Bible teaches. You don't reap what you sow. You always reap more than you sow. Always. In fact, in the book of Hosea, and this is used in the negative connotation, but it says this, they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. And so when you sow into the kingdom of God and you honor God with your finances, you know what happens? God will honor you. And God has this way of blessing us far beyond what we've ever given in our own power. And listen carefully. And I said this a couple of weeks ago. I'm not talking about a get-rich-quick thing, and this isn't the part of the service where I take my glasses off, you know, like the TV guys do, and then they look into the camera, and they're like, now, dear brothers and sisters, our ministry won't you know, like, we're not going to do that. I'm, uh, this, what we're talking is, um, what I'm saying, this is the stuff I teach my kids, um, I'm saying this for you. It's not that we want something from you, we want something for you. And that is... Um, if you will honor God and be a cheerful giver because he saved you, because he changed your life, because we owe him everything anyway. Listen, when we will decide to give willingly and cheerfully, he will bless you beyond imagination. And I have seen that in my life. And I'm telling you, you ask people around uh, this church who have done this and you will experience it as well. Well, he's gonna go on in verse 24 and this is where we're gonna draw to a close. He says, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. If you pause there and give me your attention, last thing I want to tell you is that um, my loyalty is revealed in my commitments. My loyalty is revealed in my commitments. I read the strangest article a couple of months ago about Halloween. Halloween. And how in 2021, so this is after they got all the, this is like right after Christmas, they, they published this article. In 2021, people spent half a billion dollars on Halloween costumes for their pets. <laughs> half a billion dollars on co- And so it's like, and I'm thinking to myself, and, and, and people are like, man, we're struggling and you're buying costumes for your. I'm, dude, you're barking up the wrong tree. And uh, I know, that's like, that's a good dad joke right there. Feel free to use that later, guys. And uh, because, you know, listen, if we're being honest, in many of our cases, the problem isn't a lack of money, it's priority in the resources that we have. And what Jesus does is that he contrasts the idea of serving God with our possession or serving mammon. Now, the question is who is mammon? Mammon was a deity that was essentially, the, uh, in the Canaanite culture, was essentially the personification of wealth. And what Jesus is saying is that what we do with and our attitude towards money will impact us more than we realize. And what he's saying is is that you're not, it's not if you're going to serve a God, it's which God are you going to serve. Because our actions are either going to lead us towards God or towards Mammon, and, and the reality is is that we have no problem spending money on things that we love, and it just makes us love these things more. I have no problem spending money on stuff involving guitars um, without any thought of the future, without any thought that maybe my kids might want to go to college someday, um, or that they might want to eat dinner tonight, right? And so, but I just you know, I, I it's like Matt anyway, and. Um, but there's just something that happens. There, there, there is this. Um, when, where, why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart goes. And so you start investing in mammon, and your heart is going to go in that direction, whether you want it to or not. And so uh, I, I'll explain it this way. My birthday is in October, and I'm just telling you to give you guys some time to save. But on my birthday in October, some friends got together, and they bought me a new guitar. And uh, it was amazing. It was such a kind gift. In fact, uh, someone the year before that bought me my dream guitar uh, for my birthday two years ago. And so my son, after my birthday party in, um, in October, he says to me, he goes, Dad, you've gotten two, a new guitar two years in a row. How do you feel? And I said, Zandra, I'm very excited about next year. And... Uh, <laughs> and... Um, and listen, I think sometimes what happens is is that whatever I talk about, and I, and I try to be, like, extremely open about my life, and so I'll talk about just, you know, things that I love or like or whatever, and so one time I, w- I talked about how I love nerds, you know, the little candy nerds, I think those are, like, the greatest thing, and so uh, the next day, a package from Amazon showed up with 200 boxes of nerds, and so anyway, and Uh, And many times I've talked about Oreos and, uh, and so, and then a box shows up in the mail and it was a three month subscription. I don't know if you know this, but Oreo has a subscription service where it's like, Hey, I don't even want to, it's one less thing to worry about. Like you guys just deliver them to my house. And so, and that's what it was for three months. And we were getting like exclusive Oreos. And anyway, um, the, the Calvary staff has never loved me more than when those boxes came in the mail. They're like, Pastor Bob, you're the best. And then when it stopped, they're like, yeah, you're all right. And, uh, and so, so then I started making this joke that, uh, that it's like, from now on, I'm only going to talk about Bitcoin. And, uh, and, they, and, 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 and I said, I'm going to see what happens. Well, um, a friend of mine bought me Bitcoin for my birthday. And, uh, and, so, and I had to open an account and all this. And so then my son, Xander, was asking me, he's like, dad, how many Bitcoins do you own? And I'm like, well... I don't actually own a whole Bitcoin, but if you can count the 0.000000875 of a Bitcoin, that's me. And uh, I said, I'm in the game. And you know what's weird? Here's the thing that's weird. Is that from that day, uh, I have checked the price of Bitcoin every day. And most of the time, it's very sad. And... uh, (laughs) because that's how that is but i check the price of bitcoin every day i'm subscribed to youtube channels that talk about bitcoin and cryptocurrency all because someone put treasure somewhere with my name on it my heart instinctively followed and listen that is a fact of life that whatever you want your heart to follow put your resources there and your heart cannot help but move in that direction and listen, so if, if, when you want to, uh, when you decide I'm going to put money and resources into investing in the kingdom of God, you know what happens? Your heart cannot help but follow and, and, and care about the things of God. But we cannot serve God and money. And we have to decide who we're going to serve. We will either trust God and use money or we will trust money and use God. But Jesus is saying it's one or the other. It's impossible to sit on the fence. So let me tell you where the rubber meets the road. And I want to challenge you to do one of two things um, as we close. So I'm going to ask you to grab your, your connection card that you filled out earlier. So if you'll grab that. And here's, here's what I want you to do. I want You could do both, but I want you to do uh, at least one of the two. The first is this, is sign up for Financial Peace University. Once again, we don't get anything from this. There's no resources that we get. Um, we just host it. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago if you were here, but we need to get educated about money. Um, Most of the time in church, all that people hear is tithing, give 10%, and it's like, but we have no idea what to do with the other 90. This class is really designed to give us a financial education from A to Z. And here, if I can say this, and and I think this is important, um, don't be proud. I'm telling you, when my wife and I got married, I knew nothing about money, nothing. We were in tons of debt and we had really no goals and and we didn't have anything figured out. And and I I read a bunch of books uh, written by Christian authors on the subject of money and it changed our lives to this day. And uh, the decisions that we made 25 years ago when we first got married, I mean, are still bearing fruit to this day. And I would have done anything for a class like this that would have basically synthesized everything that I read in those books and just put it into nine sessions. I would have done anything for that. And here's what happens is sometimes, and, and let me just say as guys what we do. We're like, oh, yeah, I just, I'll figure that out. I'll watch a couple videos on YouTube. Like, you know, it, uh, you know, it's, it's like what I tell people when they, they – I was I, I, like, hey, uh, don't confuse uh, your Google search with my theology degree. And uh, so – let me just say this. Don't confuse getting a financial education with two three-minute videos that you watched on YouTube um, by who knows who, uh, some guy who's probably broke, uh, telling you how to, in- how to invest money. And so, listen, the point is don't, don't miss it. Because um, you know who? B- b- proud people don't grow. And that's just an important life lesson in general. Proud people don't grow. The only people who grow are people who are curious. People who are curious never stop asking questions and they believe. And I think that that is just one of the marks of mature people is that they want, they just keep asking questions. They just don't think they know everything. And people who are curious grow. Sign up for the class. The first class is free. You don't have to make a commitment. You know, we took that lesson from the narcotics salesman. First one's free. And um, <laughs> and, uh, and listen, and go with your spouse. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you and your spouse need to go together because you need to be on the same page. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find peace. You're going to have conversations that you needed to have a long time ago. And things are going to get better in your life. Here's the second thing I want you to do. It's on the back of your connection card. And that is to sign up for the 90-day tithe challenge. And, and um, it's not because we only want you to give for 90 days. But we, you know, there's a passage in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament where God talks about tithing and he says, test me now in this. This is the only place in the Bible where God says to test him, is in this area of giving. And here's what you'll find. You take the 90-day tithe challenge and you commit saying, I'm going to give and I'm going to see what God does. And here's what you're going to find, is that God has an ability to take 90% and make it go further than 100% ever could because that 90% is going to have the blessing of God on it. And I'm telling you this, over the years we've done this, and I mean thousands of people have taken this challenge, and then and they have never regretted it. I'm telling you, I'm still waiting to meet the person since I started tithing, and that was what sent my life into upheaval. That was the downfall, right? Nobody's ever said that. And so if you'll check off on the box, and I want to take the 90-day tithe challenge, um, what we want to do, and we want to... Um, We want to walk with you in this, and uh, if you sign up for it, uh, you're going to get some emails from me um, just encouraging you in the process. And then what we want to do is there's a book that I absolutely love. I didn't write it, although I wish I did, and uh, it's called Fields of Gold, and I've read it um, several times, but we want to send you a copy as a gift Um, if you decide that you want to take this. And it really talks about what keeps people from living a generous life. And so we want to invest in you uh, in that way. And, And listen, and if I can be this bold, here's what I would encourage you to do if you say you want to take the Tide Challenge, is that you get your phone, that you download the Calvary app, and you make it automatic. And you say, you know what? I don't want this to be based on emotions or if I get nervous, I'm gonna decide that I'm just I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna make it automatic. And, and the thing I always like to say that I think is so important is that I would rather forget that I obeyed God than forget to obey him. And so that's why I love that it's automatic. That way, even if I go out of town, I'm still giving and I'm still seeking to be faithful. And here's the bottom line, is that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because some of us have been given nothing. And then we wonder why we're not growing. And, and it's because our heart is going in a bunch of different directions. And so, um, and, and some of us, we've been, we've been kind of flirting with it. Like I said, it's time to just take a step and watch what our heavenly father can do. You know why? Because he loves you. Because he wants to bless you. Because you're a parent. Those of you that are parents, and you know that you want to bless your kids. And the, when, when you can't bless your kids because they're not doing the right thing, you're the one that's bummed out more than anybody else. And, and so, but he's ready and he's seeking to bless us if we'll honor him. And, and here's the reality, and I'll close with this. The reality that Jesus wants us to embrace in all of this is that if we will set our mind on the kingdom of God, listen, wonderful things are gonna happen. If our heart is set on money and you give your heart to money, you will always feel poor because you will always compare yourself to somebody else who has more. In the same way, if you set your heart on beauty and that's what matters most and you give your heart to beauty, you will always feel ugly because there will always be someone else that you think is more attractive. If you set your heart on power and that's the thing that you give your heart to, um, you will always feel weak. But if you set your heart on Jesus and give your heart to him and walk closer with him, you'll get Jesus and you get all the other things thrown in. C.S. Lewis said it this way, He said, if you aim for earth, you'll miss it. But if you aim for heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. And when you make God your treasure, you will find that he has already made you his treasure. That's why he came to earth. Because he already had the power and the beauty and the honor, and he left it. He left it because he saw you as his treasure. And when you make him your treasure, I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. And that's why we celebrate communion. We celebrate communion to focus our hearts, Uh, to to reset our heart and desire on him to remember that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son and that nothing should take precedence over him in our lives. And so the ushers are going to come forward. They're going to hand out the communion elements. And as they do, listen, maybe this is our moment as we sing to reconnect with God, to recommit ourselves to Him, to say, God, I want to put you first, and that that will change everything else in our lives, that we want to seek Him and know Him. And then, so hold on to the elements, because we're going to partake of them together as uh, Johan and the band lead us.
0: Before I spoke well you were singing over me You been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You've been so, so kind.
1: Uh, Matthew records and as they were eating Jesus took bread he blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body let's partake of the bread together it says then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Let's partake of the cup together. And Lord, we wanna thank you for your great love for us, for the incredible work that you wanna do in us. And God, you didn't wait. Instead, you came to earth and you died long before we even cared about you or desired to walk with you. And now how much more that you wanna do a great work in our lives, and in our families, in our futures, because you're good and we thank you for it. Help us, God, to walk in obedience to you in a way that honors you. And we pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Let's all stand together.
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.